0: Crazy Uncle Joe may not be winning the Pepsi Challenge. What do I mean by that? We'll get to it in a couple of minutes. Good morning. This is the Snark Factor. I'm your peppy host, Fingers Malloy, on Wham Talk, 1600 a.m., 927 FM, and womaning the news desk this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning. She's filling in for Sarah Smith. She is the co host of the Smart Girl Politics podcast, which you can find over at the Ricochet. Network. It's Terry Christoph. Good morning, Terry. Good
1: morning, Fingers.
0: How are you? I could not be better. I'm so happy that you decided to get up so early this morning. You are
1: peppy. I'm not a morning person. I don't like peppy people in the morning.
0: Well, I have that effect on people throughout the day. <laughs> it's not Stop just the with
1: it. Just bring that down a little, man. You're too peppy.
0: Well, I'm on my third uh, Meyer orange soda of the morning.
1: Mm, Hmm, that is not something available where I am. I have no idea what Uh, you're talking about. Of
0: course, we are here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, but Terry is coming to us from inside the Beltway.
1: I am outside the Beltway, (laughs) but I am in the D.C. area.
0: Do you have a Meyer Thrifty Acres? You don't have Meyer Thrifty Acres?
1: Nope, never uh, heard
0: of it. You're missing out.
1: We don't have Werner's either.
0: Oh, good Lord. There's nothing like capping your Sunday evening off by throwing a couple of Kogel hot dogs on the grill and chasing them with an ice cold Verners, And you will never know that because you live inside the Beltway.
1: Yes, but you know, in the age of the internet, you can probably order anything. We have cheer wine. Do you have cheer wine? No. We do. Cheer wine's a thing cuz I mean ostensibly Virginia is the south and mm-hmm. cheer wine is sort of a southern thing. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I think it's something like an RC Cola. I don't know. Not sure. Oh. Anyway, oh it's not like real wine. No, it's not it's not real wine. It's cheer wine.
0: Uh, Cheer! It's all confusing. Um, it is. I was expecting it to be some sort of wine in a box, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Well, because you're inside the beltway, and I'm going to keep saying you're inside the beltway, oh, even though you're saying close you're enough. The beltway. Yeah, um, I, I have to ask you uh, this question because uh, you are close to Baltimore.
1: Yes, not too far. And scary place that we all try and stay away from.
0: Now that's that's what I wanted to ask you. I've asked our good friend Sarah Smith, who is on this show, mm-hmm. on a regular. She's right even closer. Business. She's from Baltimore, and uh, to me, I've only been to Baltimore once, maybe twice, and it was uh, lovely. But I went to the tourist areas of Baltimore.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's a couple couple blocks. It's one of those towns where there's a couple blocks where it's fantastic, and then you don't go outside of that.
0: Yes. Well, Elijah Cummings, who represented uh, much of Baltimore for uh, well, two decades.
1: For forever. Yes. Yeah, he's been around
0: for forever. I shouldn't say much of Baltimore because Baltimore is a large city, but uh, Elijah Cummings passed away.
1: He did, yes.
0: Uh, apparently he had and I did not know this because uh, he seemed healthy when he was getting into his spats with President Trump. Um, but apparently he died early Thursday after battling health problems. That's all we're hearing. Do Do you know, since you are a Washington insider, <laughs> what was wrong with Elijah Cummings other than, well, I, you know what? I will not speak ill of the Dead. Wait five days.
1: Uh, exactly. There is a waiting period for these things. I know the local news doesn't have anything else on it either. So it's unspecified. But, you know, when you get into your 60s and 70s, there's lots of things that can crop up and become serious pretty quickly. So uh, I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those situations.
0: And it must have come up rather quickly, according to Fox News. Cummings, uh, who was 68, died at uh, Gilchrist Hospice Care.
1: Oh, well, that's different. Now, I did read that he didn't come back from the most recent recess or he hasn't even been on the floor in like a month. So obviously something's been going on. And if you're in the hospice care, then it's not something that just boom came out of nowhere. It may have built for a little while, but it was surprising because he has been quite a player since Trump took office, and especially since the Democrats took control of the House. He's been a big player in talking about impeachment and, you know, various forms of impeachment. And then the most recent one that may or may not happen. Who knows? He's been quite a player. So it's kind of a it's a shock to see one of those big people in the story and the really important story not be around anymore. It's pretty shocking.
0: Well, tributes poured in Thursday from lawmakers and uh, others in politics on both sides of the aisle, Terry. Uh, I was shocked That's and That's how
1: you're supposed to do it.
0: I was shocked and saddened. I, I think uh, this is, I'm going to stop this quote right here from, from Steny Hoyer, the House Majority Leader, uh, for a second, because I believe uh, didn't Bill Clinton coin that term, shocked and saddened? Didn't it feel like every press release in the 90s when something uh, happened, uh, Bill Clinton was shocked and saddened?
1: It is canned language here in the D.C. area. I am both shocked and saddened.
0: Yeah. Why doesn't anybody say saddened and shocked? Why don't they flip the script?
1: That's true. Because it's is—it's both, but sometimes you're more sad than shocked. So I I hear what you're saying, and I agree.
0: Well, I think maybe it's because of the, the, the natural human reaction is first you're shocked. And then you're sad
1: of grief. It's the stages of grief. The the immediate stages of grief is that what this cannot be. This is terrible, yes. but it is. I mean, it's sad. I'm with you. Like, don't, don't celebrate anybody's death. That's not a good thing to
0: do. No, it's not. Uh, and so Steny Hoyer said he's shocked and saddened to learn of the news this morning of my dear friend's passing. Elijah Cummings was a man of principle patriotism and conviction, whose loss will be deeply felt throughout the state of Maryland and our country. Now, here's my question for you, Terry Kristoff. All right. At the White House, the flag was lowered to half-staff. From President Donald J. Trump. My warmest condolences to the family and many friends of Congressman Elijah Hummings. I got to see firsthand the strength, passion, and wisdom Of this highly respected political leader, his work and voice on so many fronts will be hard to find, if not impossible to replace! Exclamation point, Terry. That
1: Uh, is deeply felt. Obviously,
0: do you think? But
1: maybe, maybe there's some some between the lines messaging in there.
0: Do you think, uh, family and friends of Elijah Cummings? Uh, you think they were able to hold down their lunch when they read that?
1: <laughs> I think that this is a teachable moment for everyone because Trump. It, there is there's a couple ways you can read that message, and and it's classic Trump. But for the most part, it's sincere condolences because you know you know that's what you do. I think it's a good reminder to all of us and looking at Twitter today, seeing people from my side, the conservative side being quite, you know, very effusive with their condolences to his family, to other people. I, and we don't always get that in reverse. I think, this is, a, this is a while ago. This may be like 2009, 2010, something like that. But what, And he didn't even die. Rush Limbaugh was vacationing in Hawaii and had a heart attack or something. <laughs> it was Rush to right. the hospital. And it was you would not believe the way that the, the people on the left, the very loud left people, were just so excited. This is exciting. And that's exactly how not to behave. Do not dance on anyone's grave. That's never a good thing. So it is a teachable moment. So I would hope that Elijah Cummings family accepts the president's condolences and he appreciates them because we don't always get the best messages from him via Twitter and other means. So I think this is perhaps a good step forward for the president, even though there is a little bit of stuff that you could read into what he said. It is a, a good example that we should all just like you said, have that five-day grace period yeah. before you start saying things. Because, yeah, I mean, Elijah Cummings is an interesting character and it should be discussed what his legacy is because he is from Baltimore, a place that has gone downhill amazingly in the last few decades. And you he, he say he's a big champion of, of the poor in Baltimore, but I don't know that there was any improvement in their st- situation so I won't I will I, I think it is a good thing to have though I think it's a good discussion to have it is sad it is a very sad thing for his family it's kind of a crazy thing since the impeachment is on anything Anything we can talk about here in the D.C. area, I don't know about you sane people in the rest of America. I'm sure it's not what you're talking about, but it's all anyone talks about around here. So he's a major player. So it is a pretty big deal in these parts. But it is sad what Baltimore has become, and it it has such potential. It's got such the natural resources. It's got the harbor, and it should be fun. It's not. It's a a crapple.
0: Well, let me uh, be a spokesman for Middle America Gary. Yeah, please do. Uh, most people aren't talking about impeachment in Middle America. Okay. I've talked to people, uh, the folks, as Bill O'Reilly likes to call them, the folks. The folks. Uh, and uh, most of the folks either uh, they, first of all, they either want him impeached, but they don't really have a reason; they just don't like him. Or you have many other people who will point to Democratic. Uh, opposition to the president and people prominent democrats calling for trump's impeachment before he was even sworn in and saying Mm. this is they Mm -hmm. this is the been the this is what they've wanted all along so people are kind of backing away from corporate media and they just are living their daily lives and let's face it anyone who backs away from watching the corporate media is probably better off anyway
1: They certainly are. They need to listen to more radio. That's my
0: feeling. That's exactly right. Well, the reason why I brought Cummings up is because, and for those of you who don't remember the brouhaha that Elijah Cummings and Donald Trump got into, it it was, you know, they were talking about Baltimore and the president criticized Cummings District, called it a rodent infested mess that no human being would want to live in. It's
1: kind of true, though. And I know that a lot of conservatives, the guy's name is escaping me right now, brought in like a crew of 100 people to clean up Baltimore, and they removed so many tons of trash like it has brought renewed interest in Baltimore. And honestly, the, the news around Baltimore is very rarely good. There was uh, the time uh, the guy, his name's Freddie Gray, he was, he died in police custody. So, like, since that happened, like, Baltimore is just, it's horrible. There's riots, there's riots, like, outside of where the Baltimore Orioles play. Like, it's just a dangerous place to go. So, it's, I think that Baltimore, strangely enough, is going to be one of those issues that's important as we go into the 2020 election season, because it is, it does highlight how a lot of these cities that are having problems. The Chicago's, the Baltimore's, the San Franciscos, they're they people like Elijah Cummings have been the people in charge there for a long time, and nothing's getting better; it's only getting worse. So it's a it's going to be it should be anyway a pretty good talking point, something to talk about as 2020 creeps up on us in just about a year. Well, in the election. S-
0: speaking of 2020, one of the things that, of course, will be a, a main topic of conversation is the U.S. economy. And like I said earlier about it, sometimes it's very good to tune out the corporate media uh, because it feels as though the corporate media is rooting for a recession. If you happen to tune in, maybe rooting is a little too strong of a word, but uh, it it feels like the the mainstream media uh, is trying to Help talk us into an economic slowdown, Terry.
1: Hasten it, perhaps. <laughs> yes, perhaps. it's because it's everything that I read is it's a dud deal. It's just when <laughs> does it happen?
0: Yes. So uh, according to CNBC, uh, you know the the U.S. economy expanded, but trade tensions weigh. Uh, Fed surveys show so uh, the U.S. economy expanded at a slight to modest pace. In September and early October, but many firms are more downbeat about the months ahead, a Federal Reserve report said on Wednesday. The latest sign that this the impact of U.S. trade policies continue to cloud the country's economic outlook. The latest temperature check of the economy collated from the central bank's uh, discussions with business contacts around the country also said the pace of price increases Remained modest. So, I, as with everything, when it comes to statistics, you can take a set of figures and make them look however you want to make them look when you're writing a, a story, Terry. That is true. It, it sounds like, at least for now, inflation may be under check and uh, their outlook for growth. Um, it's, 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 they're looking at growth to slow in the next 6 to 12 months. Okay, it, as long as we're still growing and inflation is low, would we like to have a 4 to 5% growth every year? Of course, but if the economy is still growing going into 2020 and inflation is in check, I think that's good news for uh, President Trump, don't you think?
1: Well, it absolutely is. But I don't think that the media is going to let go of all the talk about trades and tariffs and, and things like that. I mean, that it, it almost is like they're trying to hasten or bring about some sort of bad economic news, because obviously, like I mentioned moments ago, it is just a year out from the election and they're going to do anything they can. I'm interested in the trade stuff because we here in the area I am you know in the DC area it's more of like a you know it's just a topic of conversation i don't always feel like it impacts us i for some reason i feel like trade and those kinds of things impact you all in middle America more like these have more direct consequences and I might Mm -hmm. be completely wrong, but for some reason I feel that way, like that we're just more like we're talking about it in the abstract here in the DC area and we're going to be all snobs about it and say what we think should be happening. But I feel like it's more of a, and I hate that I say, I feel like all the time, that's another topic of conversation someday, (laughs) how I feel like has become a thing. Mm -hmm. But it seems to me that trade is probably a more, like we're talking impeachment out here, trade is probably more important to you all in middle America. I think it's probably more something that is, directly affects your employments and, and things like that. And you're, But I, I could be completely wrong about that. No, because,
0: you're not. Okay. And here's, here's the deal when it comes to tariffs and trade. Uh, I'm a free market guy, not a big fan of tariffs. Having said that, China has been taking advantage of the United States for far too long. And some people say, well, the the long term and short term benefits outweigh the negatives when it comes to dealing with China with intellectual theft and all this uh, stuff that, that, that the Chinese get away with. Well, if you're not in an industry where China is taking advantage of the United States, I could see where you feel that way. If you're only... Focusing on the consumer. Right. If your industry is getting bent over by China, you're going to feel differently about it. Now, I, I hear people talk about you know, the government shouldn't be picking winners and losers. Well, you're, you're picking winners and losers by remaining with the status quo. You're, you're picking the winners, being you know, the, the consumer, over people who produce goods mm-hmm. Who uh, have their intellectual property stolen by China? You're picking winners and losers when you do nothing. So there are a lot of people that you talk to in the Midwest who this is hurting them, but they're looking at it as okay, this is a hopefully a short-term sacrifice to get China to eventually behave in a way that makes them a fair trading partner. So that's what you're seeing with a lot of people in in the Midwest, where they're like, well, this, this is hurting us short term, but hopefully there will be some long term benefit to getting China to play fairer when it comes to trade.
1: Well, I mean, clearly the answer here is that more American businesses that want to do business with China need to model themselves after the NBA, who is handling their relationship with China in such an exemplary way. They are the model, the gold standard for how to handle the China stuff, right?
0: Exactly. LeBron
1: James, trade minister. Boom. Done.
0: Well, if your intellectual property is being stolen by China and it's just something that I, I'm sure that people who are in manufacturing, who have seen jobs go to China, and you know you've oh, had absolutely. you've had these things happen, you're probably saying to yourself, "Well, at least we're trying something different. Let's see if it works." It's it's definitely hurting China, but uh, it's also hurting the United States too. So hopefully, uh, and you're starting to see when I say hopefully, you, you, you will have some sort of agreement. With China and trade and I wouldn't be surprised if we do going into twenty twenty, Terry. We have some sort it's of right
1: here, thing. man. It's coming up. Right. And there there is one tariff that I have a particular exception to in <laughs> there have been some increased tariffs on things coming in from Europe, mm-hmm. which includes my Kerrygold butter that comes from Ireland. I have no idea what it that has, is. It's a butter, Kerrygold. It's the best butter ever. It comes right from Ireland and it's it's my it is basically gold at this point. If you want to buy a bar of Kerrygold, I was looking at it at Costco, like, oh, you know, that's shot up by. I think that the tariff has gone up by like twenty five percent or something. It's basically a bar of gold at this point. So everybody should just stockpile Kerrygold butter because I think a black market is probably going to open up soon. It's the best butter ever.
0: Well, are we? Are we I'm still confused. So you're going to have yourself a piece of toast in the morning. No, on? I'm
1: not having carbs. Are you kidding? Oh. No, 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 no. It's all for baking. It's so good.
0: Oh, OK. So it's, it's all about baking.
1: It's all about the baking.
0: OK, well, speaking of the 2020 presidential election, and we only have a couple of minutes to talk about this before we take a break. Uh, Joe Biden was the front runner for some time. Terry, he's
1: for a, up until probably like last week. Yes. Earlier this week.
0: And uh, Elizabeth Warren seems to have overtaken Joe Biden, at least uh, temporarily here. We'll find out if the needle has moved at all from this latest presidential debate that happened this week. But uh, CNN had a piece uh, about Joe Biden. uh, It said, the worst news for Joe Biden Tuesday had nothing to do with the debate. And we won't even get into... His performance at the debate where he was talking about raising the capital gains tax and he had some sort of weird verbal diarrhea moment where I'm trying to quote him. I believe he said we aren't we're going to cut the capital gains tax. Uh, no, I mean we're going to raise the capital gains tax. We're going to double it to 39.6% because after all, how is it fair for uh, someone who is clipping coupons at home at the <laughs> stock market uh, to be do- – do that when they are making more money than people uh, that are – the firefighters?
1: Exactly. <laughs> did I did – I- what a, a fair point on his part. That's that really sums it up nicely. Yeah, somebody Perfect. had to say it. Yeah, someone. Th- I'm glad it was Joe. Yeah. yeah, he's if you're if you need a complicated concept put into language that the everyday person can understand, <laughs> Joe's the guy. Joe's the guy you want to do that. He
0: makes the complex simple.
1: He's st- always every yeah. day.
0: So just oh, as God. Joe Biden, according to CNN, and at least 11 Democratic contenders were rounding the final turn in the fourth presidential debate on tuesday night a bombshell dropped no it was not on the stage in ohio all the way back in washington washington dc where reports detailing how much each of the candidates raised spent and most importantly have left in the bank began to land in the federal election commission joe biden The former vice president of the United States and the 2020 Democratic frontrunner, from the day he entered the race officially in the spring, ended September with less than $9 million in the bank after spending more money than he raised in the previous three months. Oof. Kamala Harris has more money than him
1: yeah that and you know what's really bad about those numbers are they are as of the end of September now September, the last day of September is. FEC deadline. After every quarter, the end of every quarter, candidates need to do reports to the FEC. And that's where these numbers come from. And having worked in fundraising before, the end of the month is key. And the end of a quarter is when you are going to make most of your money the, from the previous three months, at least in online fundraising and, and some direct mail type things. These end of the quarter things, they are when you hit pay that especially if you're doing it right. And even if you're not, you still are going to bring in a lot more money than you normally do. So the fact that at the end of a quarter, his numbers are so bad is a really bad sign. It's either that he has just lost all the steam in the world or he has really bad people raising money for him. And it's maybe a combination of both. I don't know for a fact, but it is those numbers are alarming. You should see really big numbers at the end of a quarter. And that's not a big number. I mean, that's like almost what a good editorial campaign would do at the end of a quarter they would have you know have a really good one a big one that has national implications those kinds of things i think you would see those numbers so it's not looking good for joe based off of that
0: and with that we have to take a break i want to get into more of these numbers when we come back it's the snark factor she's terry i'm fingers it's wham talk 1600 a.m 92 7 fm Wham Talk, 1600 AM, 92.7 FM. This is the Snark Factor. I'm your lovely host, Fingers Malloy. Terry Kristoff is womaning the news desk. You can find Terry over at the Smart Girl Politics Podcast. And that's on the Ricochet Network. And before we get back into these numbers, Terry.
1: Yes, uh, and you are lovely. Thank you. As you described yourself as lovely, and I would like to
0: reiterate that you are lovely. That is the nicest thing you've ever said to me.
1: It may be. It may well be. Uh,
0: so before we get back into these numbers about poor Uncle Joe, mm-hmm. literally poor Uncle poor, Joe. yeah. Uh, we were talking during the commercial break, and uh, you do this uh, fitness routine. It's called the uh, Orange Julius, right? Yes,
1: Orange Julius to most of the men that have asked me about it, but Orange Theory to the rest of us that actually do it. That's hardcore athletes to go to Orange Theory Fitness, <laughs> so, which is a national chain. It is a
0: national chain. There's yeah, one by definitely. my house here. And, uh, oh, I, I
1: can give you a referral code.
0: Oh, no, thank you. I, while well, I appreciate the opportunity to take advantage of the referral code. Uh, I find it much easier to eat potato chips on my couch.
1: <laughs> so do I. Doesn't mean I've stopped doing that. I've got to heft myself out of the chair every once in a well, while and go to Orange Theory. It's a fabulous workout. It is, it is a wonderful, awful workout.
0: Well, so here's, here's the deal. This is what I wanted to ask you because I've come to the realization in my later years um, <laughs> <laughs> that it's, for me, it's just much more fun to be fat. But, uh, I have talked to people that do this, this orange theory. And to me, uh, it, it sounds terrible. Isn't oh, it possible. young people miles. yelling at you and, uh, telling you to go faster. And it's like <laughs> cross, cr- are there worse people in the world? And I, uh, gosh, I hope our good friend, Erica uh, Anderson isn't listening. Are there worse people in the world than the CrossFit people? Is this CrossFit?
1: It is not crossfit because if it was I wouldn't be doing it. There's no way I can like yeah, jump on this box that's 3 feet high. Oh. God. I can't even sit on it. I can't pull myself up onto this thing. Okay, yeah, cuz crossfit
0: it- people are like the essential oils people. It doesn't matter what's ailing you. Oh, you, you! I've got some essential oil for that. Oh, you! You got a problem? Oh, well, essential oil, same thing. Oh, CrossFit. Oh my gosh, uh, my back was bugging me. I started doing CrossFit. I feel like a hundred dollars. Oh, I had the gout. Started doing CrossFit. I feel like a hundred. <laughs> feel like a hundred dollars. So, yeah. orange Orange Theory is nothing like CrossFit.
1: No, it it's more. It's it, it's basically it's got three components. It's got rowers, you know, rowing machines. Uh-huh. It's got treadmills, and then it's got weights and other. Bands and weird things that you can do resistance. So most classes, you spend half your time. You maybe warm up on the rower. You spend half the time doing weights and other resistance things, and half the time's on the treadmill. With you can walk, you can run. I'm a walker. I'm a power walker. But you set the inclines really high, or you go really fast. So it's a basically it's one of those high intensity interval training things where you're bringing your heart rate up and down for an hour. So, so it sounds part, like.
0: It's, it at. sounds like a twenty first century c- co-ed curves is what it sounds like to me
1: it's a little more intense it's um. definitely people it, it's it you can really push yourself and it's it's hard and you weren't earned splat points they have a whole thing like you know they have a, a color coded thing that you wear a, a heart rate monitor and it, you go through the colors and if you're if you stay in certain colors during certain you know for however many minutes that's how many splat points you get. And it's, you know, there's some serious athletes in there. It is, I think it is kind of like cultish, like CrossFit people. It's a good workout, but Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily like, it's good of combination of weight training and cardio. It's not heavy on one or the other. So people are like, I don't get enough weightlifting. I got to go to, so some people don't like it. I just like, somebody tells me what to do because I go into like a regular gym. I'm like, oh, bicycle. For five minutes like i don't know what i'm doing so the coaches are actually really great they do kind of yell at you like yeah, they they bring your incline up to the 100 percent and you're you know whatever it, it's not annoying it's not boot campy it's not like that i'm doing it and i'm terrible shape so it's it's doable and like i was telling you during the break hell week is coming up their last eight days that lead up to halloween they do these horrible horrible exercises they include a lot of burpees are you familiar with the <laughs> no bur-
0: no i don't know what a burpee, the burpee
1: is. is where you, you you crouch down and you're leaning forward on your hands your hands are on the ground and you've got to kick your whole your feet out so that you're in a plank position and then bring them back it's, it, it's, I cannot even do it. And there's a lot of that involved. So that's it's Hell Week, and they make you go at these massive inclines. And like last week, just for the last example, we had we climbed Orange Everest, because Orange Theory, Orange is a big culture, <laughs> where you get on the treadmill, and you spend a minute... Go, and You're trying to go as fast as you can at all levels, and you go take the incline up a percentage every minute. So it's a minute at 1%, 2%, and then you're going up to 15. 15% incline is pretty substantial. <laughs> you are really going uphill, and then take it back down. So it's like basically 30 minutes of... of climbing a mountain at the top, the fastest speed that you can go. So mm. it's challenging. So I will send the referral code. Uh,
0: no, that sounds awful. And I want to remind all of our Wham Talk 1600 listeners that they are not a sponsor of the Snark Factor. They
1: are not. It's just a great workout if you don't ha- like having to figure out what to do to work out. Yeah. And that's why I do it, because I don't know enough about any of it. Because, you know, if you're on your own on like a treadmill, you're like, oh, I don't really feel like going to 15 percent. I'll just date out here at like two so. percent. Right. Yeah, it's good. You people know, our age, we need to we need to do that. We need to show the young people that we're not done yet.
0: Well, you know who else may be on his own very soon? Joe Biden. Let me get back to these numbers. Yes. So he fast. he ended September with less than nine million in the bank. Now, let's compare his numbers to some of his Democratic rivals. Now, this is what I find comical uh senator uh kamala harris 10.5 million million and a half more in the bank than the former vice president of the united states and it's, it's
1: nowhere close being front runner
0: no and as far as i know the only thing that makes her stand out in this field is that she wants to i guess in the first hundred days of being president of the united states if congress does not act president kamala harris will have donald trump banned from twitter that's what
1: <laughs> that, that's what the world is clamoring for, <laughs> and she is like she tries to be one of the more woke candidates, and it's always cringeworthy. That's why she's not the front runner. She's just too cringeworthy. Well, I
0: think people can spot a phony She's and so, so she, fake. She is such a phony. Uh, unfortunately, I don't believe Elizabeth Warren is a phony because um, I don't think you could fake that personality
1: (laughs) you think that's legit
0: oh i'm telling you i didn't think it was possible for democrats to nominate someone less likable than hillary clinton and i think they may just do it i is there anything at all likable about elizabeth warren
1: I have not found anything likable about her. And I found one thing particularly dislikable about her and that she's one of these women and it, they tend to be women ahead of I'm a Generation X proud member of Generation X more on the senior end of Generation <laughs> X, shall we say. And so the women of, that are that generation ahead of me they they baffle me sometimes. And she's one of them. And she's not the only one that I've seen. She need, she always matches the color of her socks to the color of her shoes. And she's always wearing black shoes. This is what annoys you? A black pant, a black sock, and a black (laughs) shoe. And that's, there's there's so much out there now. There's leopard skin. Like, there's just so many options that you don't need to be doing that. That This is is what grinds your gears. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I don't like any of it, but I've been looking at pictures of her lately because she's definitely got a certain uniform that she wears. It's not quite to the level of, like, Hillary and her pantsuit, but it's kind of that thing. It's like the shh. Blouse and black pants, black socks and black shoes. I I, I don't know. I just I want a little bit more. I I I need something more. There's 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 no reason to match the color of your pants, your
0: socks, and your shoes, right? Well, between
1: never do that.
0: No, of course not. Between that and the constant lying.
1: Oh, there's that too. Yeah. No, no, I agree. That that's equally as bad. The women of the generation ahead of me, they need to get their act together. Oh, I'm not. No,
0: I'm just talking about Elizabeth Warren. Uh, and here's the deal with her. I mean, we, we've, we talked about this last week on the eat, drink, smoke podcast, uh, that Tony Katz hosts, check that out on, uh, Apple podcast, eat, drink, smoke, how, you know, the, her latest story, uh, <laughs> of, of her being fired by a principal of a high, was a high school. I, I don't know what school it was, uh, because she was pregnant and uh, she was going around uh, on the stump saying uh, this principal did what principals did back then and fired me. Now, listen, I, I must admit, I don't pay attention uh, necessarily to the employment uh, <laughs>
1: Employment law, not your...
0: No, it's not my... I'm not an employment law lawyer, if there is such a thing. Oh, there is. Uh, But here's the deal. I don't remember growing up in the 80s, hearing teachers at my school talk about, oh, you know, I was a teacher for a while, but I had to give it up because... You know, uh, I was pregnant, and at the time, my principal did what principals did back then and fired me because I was pregnant. I didn't hear about these mass firings of pregnant women, of pregnant teachers back in the 70s and 80s. Was that a thing, Terry, that I missed? I
1: am pretty sure that it was illegal back then. And there's actually audio and video of her in previous years, I think like maybe from 2006 or something, where she basically directly contradicts what she's going around saying about being fired. And she was pregnant and she had been promised a job or something like that. And quite frankly, we've all been promised jobs that never come through. Like she was talking with them about a job. And I don't know if her pregnancy was the reason for her never to get a job. And she doesn't know that either, I'm sure. She's just using it as as campaign fodder. But there's she has directly contradicted herself from earlier statements. And no, I mean, no, that didn't happen. I mean... There was maternity leave back then, and I – granted, not, maternity leave was probably not – was not a great thing at the time. You probably did have to decide, am I keeping this job or am I leaving? But it was – there was not, well, you know, a big wave of um, – <laughs> You're pregnant, you can't and, – and I'm not minimizing it because it was a problem for women in lots of industries, you know, that it isn't – and it probably still doesn't help you to show but up being teaching. pregnant. But it certainly is illegal to, to say that they won't hire you or to fire you because you are pregnant, and I think it was back then as well. Can you imagine – how she paired her socks and her oh, maternity pants and her sensible shoes when she was pregnant because I, I, I think these things are important. I mean, we had John F. Kennedy for a reason. He was a good-looking dude. You know, we want we want our candidates to look pulled together. That's that's all I'm saying. I don't believe her story. I don't think most people believe her story because she was telling the truth 10, 12 years ago when she said that she was pregnant and trying to get this job that never came through.
0: Well, you gotta okay. have. You gotta have. Welcome
1: to everyone else's life.
0: I'm really tired of sitting U.S. senators, sitting U.S. congressmen portraying themselves as victims. I'm, I'm getting sick and tired of it's. It's. I'm. I'm going to start. I think I'm going to coin the phrase right here. It's called victim credits. Mm. It's like carbon credits, except you you have to have a certain a number of victim credits in your victimhood purse or victimhood wallet. To be able to be part of the, the woke army, the woke warriors. She has to portray herself. You know, I was a victim at one point. I was, uh, I'm a victim of discrimination. I was fired because I was pregnant. And so because of that, I can relate to you younger women today who are being fired for being pregnant
1: which doesn't happen. You a company you would be able to sue a company for so much money. But it's just playing into cuz there's a bunch of women that want to think that it's true that women were, you know, her generation, man, they were warriors. Oh. They they fought for womanhood and equality and all this, but <laughs> gender equality. Wait, we don't have genders. What's going on? I'm so confused by everything. She is the front runner though. So maybe it worked. Maybe these stories are working because she so. has kind of leapfrogged
0: over Joe because she's speaking her truth whether it's <laughs> right. whether it's her truth about being fired for being pregnant or her truth with the the whole uh, I am part Cherokee story that uh she threw out there it was Cherokee wasn't it I which,
1: think so yeah which
0: I find more despicable if I'm a leftist this this to me, this wasn't cultural appropriation. This was bloodline appropriation, which should be ten times worse than cultural appropriation. And yet it's okay because, well, she's fighting a good fight and she's on our side. That's what Well,
1: and none of it needs to be true if you're trying to make a good point to everybody, that's right? Right. It's insanity. It's straight but she's the one, man. She's the one to beat it at the moment.
0: Cuz it doesn't matter if it's if you're a candidate running for president of the United States or you are an anchor on CNN, truth isn't important. Narrative is. So
1: I, I cannot agree with you more, which is why we don't trust the bloody thing that comes from anybody.
0: Right, they don't e-
1: trust anything except but
0: for here at WHAM Talk, sixteen hundred AM, ninety two well, seven FM. Of
1: course, of course. But I mean, she is the front runner. She clearly has come ahead in the uh, fundraising. I guess she was the person. I didn't watch the debate because my Washington Nationals were having to sweep uh, the the St. Louis Cardinals, mm-hmm. so I was not watching the debate. But from what I have heard. Every, all the attacks were on her and that's they were on joe biden before because he was a frontrunner so clearly everybody has coalesced around the idea that she is the frontrunner and the polling seems to show that too and her she is doing well with fundraising so yes
0: yeah, she's doing well with fundraising uh bernie sanders still has uh, appears to have more have more money than anyone else at this point uh just shy of 34 million in the bank and then uh elizabeth for his medical bills right and then Elizabeth Warren, uh, almost twenty six million, and then Mayor Pete. It's a little over. He's
1: a little. Uh, he's he's the the little candidate that
0: could. Well, let's face it. He's going to be the vice presidential candidate, don't you think? I, I think that they will tap Mayor Pete once this is all said and done, because they want to make history. That's important.
1: Uh, yeah, probably. Warren, whatever his name is, because I can't pronounce his last name. My co-host, Kira Davis, on this Smarter Politics podcast, mm-hmm. she's very good at pronouncing his last name. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is.
0: Warren Littlefield?
1: Mayor Pete. What's Mayor oh, Pete's no, last name?
0: Mayor Pete is Mayor Pete Buttigieg. 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 It's fun to say. That's why I'm. I'm actually hoping that he will be the uh, Democratic vice presidential
1: nominee. I'm not, because people on Twitter are going to do horrible things with his last name that they've already done, so I, I, I don't think I could handle four to eight years of that, but what do we got, you know? Well, we got Drumpf. Uh, we still uh, got Drumpf. Right, everywhere.
0: that's clever. Uh, but no, the, the, but the point of the piece is, uh, really, Joe Biden's campaign is in big, big trouble, because you you had... a. Not too long ago, the narrative was was that joe biden's candidacy, his presidential campaign he was the front runner he had the momentum now he's losing steam he's losing steam, and you would hope that if 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 your campaign was losing momentum that you would at least have at least have a lot of money for having been being the been the front runner for as long as Joe Biden uh, I wonder was though the front
1: since since September was the month of Ukraine 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 and Hunter Biden Hunter did an interview this week in October so Maybe that affected it. Maybe all the unanswered questions that leading up to that big end of quarter fundraising push, maybe maybe that affected it. I don't know. But also, I mean, this week, uh, his former boss, Barack Obama, came out and endorsed Justin Trudeau up in Canada, but failed, you know, didn't take the opportunity, which I get you don't want to endorse during primary, but it's not exactly a vote of confidence for a former Veep Joe Biden. So not it's like all bad news for poor Joe right now. Now, my
0: question is, do you think that Barack Obama is not endorsing Joe Biden because he doesn't want to be the, uh, Joe Biden to be the nominee? Or is Barack Obama uh, reading the tea leaves and he does not want to get behind a loser?
1: I wish I could climb into the mind of Barack Obama for a moment. But I do think it makes sense for a former president to not... An endorsement during the primary. However, I think had he really thought that Joe was the guy for the job, he would have endorsed or done something short of an endorsement, even if it wasn't a full endorsement. Like he hasn't really come out and said anything. <laughs> Do you remember that that tweet that it was like national friendship day or something and uh, biden tweeted out the friendship bracelets that said joe and barack <laughs> and you know that barack obama's like yeah i don't really see it quite the same way you do it's kind of that thing like he really thinks they're best friends and i don't think that that's how obama feels about the situation at all so he could have probably come close to doing an endorsement or some sort of support and obviously it says a lot that he doesn't and not, at, I don't know if that means anything to anyone but
0: at least show up on the campaign trail once for him.
1: You f- would think I'm trying to think back to when
0: a fundraiser something throw the guy a bone.
1: I do think it's smart for Obama to not fully endorse anybody right now because sure. cuz he's, you know, he's obviously probably yeah, he's the most powerful person in the Democrat party. So it could cause a lot of problems if he did endorse. I guess it is kind of a rare situation. I'm trying to think back to the last time a vice president, a former vice president, was running for office but was not – it wasn't hot on the heels of him being vice president. So there's been four years or whatever. Well, I mean you had Al
0: Gore. You had uh,
1: – But when they're immediately – like when they're, when they're supposed to be the successor to their president, like when it's an immediate thing. When Yeah, they Al Gore of 2000. Office. No, because he would have been, he would have, he was just ending up being vice president. So he's going right into it and he's basically the front runner and there's no problem with Clinton. Yeah, and but Dorsey.
0: people, but people ran against Dal Gore in, in 2000 on the Democratic side.
1: God, that's 2000. I was pregnant being <laughs> fired back then. I don't know what was going on in 2000. I honestly don't remember who ran against him, but it's just, it's, it puts presidents in a weird position, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, you would have expected in 1988 for Reagan to come out right away for H.W. Bush uh, in the primaries. And you would expect you would you would think I I would you know, if you're someone like Joe Biden, who has been in politics uh, since Reconstruction to, uh, (laughs) you you know, the political game uh, so you can understand it. But there's got to be part of you that. Says to yourself, well, geez, I served uh, as vice president under this man for eight years, and in some ways, I in some twisted way in the in the 2008 presidential election, people said that Joe Biden's presence <laughs> added something to the ticket. You would you would think that, well, gee, I did all that for Barack Obama. The least he could do is come out during the primary and and endorse me. But no.
1: I just, I just don't think Obama can. I don't think he can. Oh, I don't think, I don't he, think can he can either. It.
0: But it's got. There's got to be part of you that, that if you're Joe Biden, you're like, well, geez, man. <laughs> I've done some. I've done some things. I
1: posted the picture of our friendship bracelets. What's going on here? One thing's for sure: the book that comes out in two, the end of two thousand uh, or twenty twenty or in twenty twenty one that explains everything that happened behind the scenes here in this primary season is going to be good. Good reading because you know that Obama, his wife, they're they're very very involved in everything that's going on. So it's going to be a pretty good book. Maybe we should write it. You think? yeah, we're, we know people that know this. No, we don't. We no, don't know anything. Yeah, that knows what's no. going on. Yeah. It's going to be a good book, nonetheless. I look forward to it.
0: Well, I look forward to seeing, you you brought up a good point, and we've, we've got to wrap things up here in a minute, but you brought up a good point about the whole Hunter Biden story. And it'll be interesting to see if there will be some sort of sympathy donations headed to the Joe Biden for President uh, campaign based on... These attacks uh, on the Biden family, if you look at it that way from the Democratic perspective, that maybe there will be people that will say to themselves, "You know, I, I this is unfair. I'm going to send Joe Biden $10." But I, I think between what happened with Hunter Biden, uh, this the story blowing up, and Joe Biden's performance in the last debate, I, I think that that campaign. Is probably on life support. Hey, we're out of time. My name is Fingers Malloy. Thanks for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Fingers Malloy. Check out the Facebook page, slash Fingers Malloy Radio and FingersMalloy.com. That's where you can find everything. Terry Kristoff, thank you for being thank part you. of the show. Check her out over at the Smart Girl Politics Podcast, and that's on the Ricochet Network. And follow Terry on Twitter where.
1: At Terry Kristoff. Terry with one R and an I.
0: There you go. And
1: Christophe with a CH and a PH and the whole thing.
0: So there you have it. She's Terry, I'm Fingers. This is the Snark Factor. We'll be back next week on Wham Talk 1600 AM 92.7 FM.